All right, Kiss Army. Welcome to the Kiss FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today. Nothing is into your head. I hope you don't do any damage. This is a Kiss-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 78 of the Kiss FAQ Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Julian, admin on the FAQ message board. Joining me today from sunny Sweden, Daniel. Yep. Welcome back. And Mark. Yes. Mark is almighty. And Ken, 69th Hello. Blizzard. Good to see you all again today. I don't think we have any news this week. No one in Kiss has done anything insane, so... I think that's probably a good thing Good thing for once. We can just get straight into the topic. Uh, shout out to Lonnie, of course, who took the reins last week for me so that I could be a lazy bugger. And I nearly forgot about this show today, I will say, and uh, just managed to get my laptop powered up in time. So, woohoo, having a good day. So, right, let's jump into this. Uh, it, I guess it's a, a bunch of topics today. Daniel, it's kind of your your idea, I believe, the the first afflictions you know, and kind of, you know, our first kisses in many different ways and how, you know, this band entered our life, particularly to the point where we're sitting on a Skype call talking about the band. I mean, I think we've fallen pretty deep into that disease um, to get to this level. So, you know, let's go with, you know, chapter one, first kiss, your first mm. Kiss memory, and what was it that grabbed you? Was it the sound, the artwork, the visuals? You know, where did Kiss grab you by the ears? I remember it very specifically. Um, it was, I think it was back in 1985. I was at a friend's uh, house, and we were going to uh, sleep over in a tent on the back in the backyard. And he brought this boombox... And he had a black cassette. It was a copy of the Animalize album. And he put on, like, Heavens on Fire. And that was actually the first time I felt that this music, I had never heard anything like it. It grabbed me by the balls. And, you know, <laughs> I felt like, this is, what What the hell is this? This is the best I've ever heard. I want more of this. Uh, so it was not about the looks. It was not about the makeup. It was purely the music. I didn't know anything about Kiss. I never heard about them. And I guess I was just at the right age when I heard this. I've started to, to, to become interested in music, but when I heard that song in that tent, in that backyard, back in 85, uh, I, it was never, things were never the same. So it's kind of eerie to, to think of what kind of consequences that night in that tent had for myself i mean this is like a hundred years later and i'm still into kiss i wonder what would have happened if he had played like motley Crue's latest album or something van halen yeah i'm not sure that it was just because it was so great but i think it was more that i was ripe you know i was ready for for some heavy metal music but that's my earliest memory and i was about i don't know seven eight nine years old wasn't that old but i still remember it like it was yesterday it, it was really cool so that's yeah. my first memory do you still get a special feeling where you hear that one song that first song yeah. does yeah. it still yeah. it still get yes. yes 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 always uh, it's kind of when i hear the beginning you know the 
I, I can't uh, do it myself, and ne- neither can Paul. But uh, you know, <laughs> you know that beginning. Yeah, his his, war- his, his warm up yodel. You, yeah, you know, yeah, and it was like an accident. It was he was warming up for the song, yeah. and they just kept it. But you know, my, my the hair on my arms they raise still to this day. It's kind of strange. I don't know what happened, but it got me. That's the magic of rock and roll. Hey, Mark, what about you? Well, I actually vividly remember it as well because I was about seven, eight years old, and uh, I used to live in an apartment building. And when my parents were working, my older sister would would babysit us because there was three younger kids, like me and my two younger sisters and my older sister. And uh, she would sometimes take us over to her, her friend's place, which was like two floors up, and this guy he was like a huge Kiss fan, and he had Kiss stuff all over his room. And I remember that was my very first introduction to it. I walked into his room with my sister, and he had like a live two in on his wall there, and just that picture of Gene with that blood and all that stuff on him there and on that cover. I was like, when I first looked at, I'm like, what the heck is this? I didn't you know, compute at that point what it could have been like that this is actually like a band, right? Because at that point, I think I'd just started getting into listening to music. You know, I was still young, like seven, six, seven years old, and maybe was familiar with stuff like, you know, Rush and stuff like that because my sister was listening to it already at that point. But when I saw that picture of that, it really caught me immediately. And I think the guy kind of noticed I was looking at it and was picking up the album and looking at it and he's and he was kind of like, you want to listen to some of it? And I said, yeah, sure. And he put on, and I, I'll never forget, he put on, um, I believe it would have been Side 3, which would have been I Stole Your Love, was the very first song I heard off of that. And just like Daniel, when I first heard that, I was like blown away. I was like, wow, what the hell is this? And I just remember hearing so much like of the audience. You know, I think that more than anything else as well caught me was how much cheering and stuff that you heard from that record, right? You know, being that it was a live album, it kind of, you know, really caught my attention so that was really my earliest memory of a like a kid my introduction to kiss was alive too so nice and i think that's where ken back in back in the 70s though for you went to yeah well that was that was my first album i bought but that wasn't the first thing i heard um the first thing i actually heard and uh when i was over at a friend's house um we were, you know, just we would listen to albums and whatever. Um, and he said, "Hey, you know, you got to listen to this." And he didn't show me the album cover or anything. He just put it on, and I hear, you know, it's acoustic, nice acoustic, mellow stuff coming in, and and all of a sudden, you know, it just kicked in and was like, "Holy, what the heck just happened?" You know, it was, it was "I Want You" off of Rock and Roll Over, the first song, and I was like, "Wow, what." what is this and uh i just it just grabbed me right away just the whole thing the sound and and everything and it was so different uh to what i was listening to to at the day um at the time and uh he finally pulled the album out and and showed me and and that that cover you know the rock and roll over cover with uh you know hand-drawn you know faces and things wow this is like you know comic book kind of stuff and and i that was right up my own i mean i was i was a person that would be buying comic books weekly you know you know batman or whatever and uh and i was like oh this is this is cool you know i didn't even know what they looked like on stage yet or anything like that but it was just the music and then 
it got to the point where calling Dr. Love was on there, like, hey, wait a minute, I think I heard this on the radio. And I didn't know who it was. And I thought, I like, you know, this song's this song's great. And then, uh, so that was that was it there. Rock and Roll Over was a, my introduction. And I Want You just totally kind of like just hit me in the face when it, right after the acoustic part. It just like, oh, okay, this is not going the way I thought it was going to go. So, that's yeah. that, that's really cool and what a great song also to be your first kiss to be grabbed like that i think i've told my story a few times and it probably changes every time i tell it like many stories it's like a fishing trip that fish gets bigger and bigger every time you you recount it yeah. um but obviously with moving to america in 1978 i started school in well it must have been january 79 and Binghamton, New York, MacArthur Elementary School, there was a talent show, and I think it must have been very soon after joining, and again, it's so far back in time that I don't remember, and kids dressing up in their tinfoil and black and imitating Kiss on stage to Deuce and Black Diamond, I think were the songs, that was my first experience of kiss the and those two songs deuce to this day remains that one song i gotta hear it live in concert every time i go it's the one i want to hear it's the one which like daniel will make the hairs raise up on my arm and i'll have that response even though at the time i didn't get into the band it was just like it was one of those things that wow what the hell is that you know why are they dressed up i have no reference i'd never seen them before um it's just a very th a visual and I guess emotional thing tied in with moving to America at the time that it was a big change and it's the one thing that really stands out in my mind from being seven years old so um, took a good few years at what five years until I got into the band with uh, that album which I'm not even gonna bother naming but uh, th those that's my first kiss and you know like I said to this day I want to hear Deuce I'll never get tired of hearing it I will never ever press the skip button on it, and yeah. it always makes me smile. And you know, just rem you remind mind yourself of a more innocent time. So cool. let's let's get to that. <laughs> I mean, I, I know a lot of us have mentioned our first Kiss albums again, so we can probably just kind of go through it quickly um, without going into the details. Obviously, mine came you know six years after that first Kiss. My musical journey to get me to, to Kiss was, you know, it didn't register in 79. You know, I continued listening to John Lennon, the Beatles, and, you know, then I went to, like, Men at Work. My first heavy metal was Judas Priest, United, and Joan Jett, I Love Rock and Roll, but then came Asylum. So Asylum became my first album. Ken, yours, I think you just mentioned briefly as well, so. Yeah, so shortly after, you know, it was 77 where I first heard you know, rock and roll or the, the uh, her kiss on that, um, and uh, later on the year, that's when I went and and picked up my first. Actually, went down and bought um, Alive Two at the drugstore. So that was the first one, and uh, so it's kind of a special special album for me. Daniel, how about you? What what ended up being your first kiss album? Actually, I got three albums. My first, I remember vividly my three first albums. Uh, Twisted Sister, Stay Hungry, uh, Animalize, and Asylum. I got them at the, at the same mm -hmm. time. Uh, I like Twisted Sister, but something grabbed me about Kiss. and I'm not, I'm not sure what it was, but I remember playing the hell out of the first tunes on Animalize. 
and then I skipped burn, bitch, burn. I rewinded the tape. You know, if you're that old, so you remember that you used cassette tapes back in the day. So I listened to two two songs, and then I rewinded it, and I listened again, and then I rewinded, and I did that all the time. So uh, those two first songs on Animalize mean a lot to me. And then the Animalize album, no, the Asylum album, I could actually listen through all of it. And I remember going to my mom and asking, what the hell does burn bitch burn mean? And she looked at me embarrassed. And like, it means uh, burn uh, witch burn, burn, uh, burn the witch. <laughs> I, I, I saw on her that she, she, did, she wasn't telling the truth. <laughs> nice. Mark, how about you? Well, um, I think my sister had some, uh, had a good memory there because that Christmas after I you know, saw that album for the very first time, she decided to uh, go out and get me a, a record for my for, for Christmas. And this was the first record I actually got. It's not this actual, this is not the actual one she bought me, but, you know, getting alive for Christmas, right? Was one of the, that was actually my first ever album I got. And uh, actually shortly after that, when I started getting really into it a few months later, I went to the record store and I got myself my first cassette, mm-hmm. which was the Paul Stanley solo album. I vividly remember that because that was, you know, I had a little cassette player in my room. So that was a much, that was actually listened to a heck of a lot more because the turntable was in the living room at, at our, you know, in our house and the parents and everybody, we all shared it. Right. So, if I wanted to listen to my stuff, you know, you have to kind of get in line sort of thing, right? So, um, but the cassette got played a hell of a lot more. But the Alive record was my first one. And ironically, that's also a Canadian quality record one. Ironically, just like the one I got when I got my uh, Christmas present. So it has a sentimental value to it, right? So mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they all do. And, you know, as KISS fans, I think to a certain extent we live in sentimentality or sentimentality, you know, that so much means special things to parts of your life. When the music and the band has been the soundtrack to your life, you know, it's easy to, you know, get all misty-eyed and teary thinking about stuff. But the next question that you had, and uh, Daniel, I thought this was a really good one, the first posters or poster that you had up on your wall, you know, for me, the the best thing when I moved to Singapore in 1988 is I got the map. Who just shared their desktop? I think it was me. I was. Yeah, nothing. Nothing oh. else. Oh, oh my! That. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. So, yeah. so in in 1988, I, I I don't even have any pictures of mine, so I'm not I'm not going to share any, and. It's it's the Sweden 1976. What is that wooden stage? I always forget that it's that Skansen at the at the park where they did the photo shoot, and mm. it's just them up on that st- on that stage. No instruments because they weren't playing there. It's just a, a wooden backing that like a dome, like the Hollywood dome in wood. That uh, that was my one that went on my wall, but you know. That room I had in Singapore was like 20 feet high, so I had a lot of wall and a lot of posters. The other one I remember having up was the Kiss Exposed centerfold one of Gene with kind of like the the webs um, mm-hmm. in 1978 pose. So that, those are my, my first posters up on those walls. Ken, you. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think the actually the first thing I probably stuck up on the wall was like uh, something out of one of the magazines. Uh, it could have been even, you know, was it 16 magazine? Uh, uh, and the love gun poses, them standing there, just stare at the darn things. I'm like, man, this is <laughs> it's like, this is cool. You know, I hadn't seen them in concert yet. So I was like, wow, this is, you know, or even video or anything of them, just pictures I've seen first. So probably one of the other first uh, posters I had were, um, I know I had, mm-hmm. The, like the spirit of 76 poster i mean i had i had a lot of posters i wish i had them still unfortunately i don't have them all um but uh, i had a, my walls covered and i would say that was probably one of the first ones maybe a love gun uh poster and it goes on from there you know yeah talk about a fire hazard right so oh all that <laughs> stuff we used to stick I, on the walls they were on the ceiling too, so yeah. Nice, <laughs> Mark. How about you? Well, I remember, um, like back in when we when I was looking through the uh, topic for what we were going to discuss this week, and I have to really think about it. What was my first Kiss poster? And funny enough, when I'm looking through some of my old photo albums, I had a picture of my old bedroom where I had where I had my first actual first Kiss poster. And the funny thing is that. I had one Kiss poster up in my room, and I had about seven other posters in my room, but they were all of topless Samantha Fox in my room. <laughs> That's all I had in my room. I, I, I was laughing when I noticed that. I was like, wow, I must have been really into her. So um, I had lots of pictures of her, but I had this one was my first actual Kiss poster. Ah, nice. Oh, nice. So I remember when I had that one in my room, and it was right by my door. I had that one, and that—that's my first one. I vividly remember that poster. I—I I always thought it was the coolest thing, mainly because at that point, seeing that kind of an axe base was something kind of new back then. I mean, I wouldn't know you didn't see many, very many bass players with a bass guitar like that. And you know, and I was—I wasn't right into you know starting to play guitar like seriously at that point. I think that was—I was already like 14 at that point, so I didn't get my first kiss poster until way later there you go <laughs> nice yeah i got it way later into the game after i got my first album and stuff that took me a, a while until i got my first poster but yeah that was my first one i, I was really into that kind of creatures of the night era of stuff so all right we'll follow on from there with your first kiss concert well, that, that's simple. I mean, I think I mentioned before, I had a couple of opportunities to see Kiss before, and I, I unfortunately, because of things that came up, I had to miss it. The one that I really kicked myself for was missing the Asylum tour. <clears throat> I really wanted to see them in Toronto, but I wasn't able to do it. But <clears throat> I ended up going, my first concert was the Reunion tour <clears throat> that came here in Toronto. And uh, I'll never forget that. That was in, in retrospect, I'm glad that that was my first one because it was a real spectacle. I mean, Maple Leaf Gardens holds like, you know, 15,000 people, but the Sky Dome was like, you know, 60, 70,000 people. And while it wasn't that many people in there, there was a lot. There was like well over 30, I'm sure. <clears throat> so um, that, that, that experience in itself was something to see. They had the inflatables up at that show and you know, for somebody who hadn't seen a Kiss concert yet, that was something to see. You know, walk in, you see this huge, you know, 50 foot tall 
you know, inflatables of Kiss. It was like, wow, what the hell is this? And, uh, you know, that that show kind of cemented what Julian's always kind of said, that Deuce is one of the greatest all-time opening songs in a concert ever. Like, that that pretty much cemented it for me. So I'll, I'll never forget that show. And it made such an impact on me that when they came through again for the Lost Cities tour, I went, I drove all the way to Hamilton, which is about uh, half an hour, 40 minutes from where I live. So that was a little bit of a longer trek, but it was worth it. And I got to see Ace really fall over on stage, which was quite a thing to see. And uh, um, and even after that, when Psycho Circus came, I dragged out my sisters who weren't even into Kiss at all, and they absolutely loved it. So the, that first show really made an impact on me. I mean, Kiss pretty much took over my life at that point. I, I was picking up everything I could see Kiss. I was getting posters and stuff like that. And I was in a band at that point. And my other guitar player friend, he was huge into Kiss. And I guess we'll get into that when we talk about that later. But, you know, it, it made a big impact, that concert. Daniel, how about you? Uh, my first concert was um, also the reunion era, the reunion tour in Stockholm. Uh, unfortunately, I, I was really into the... Um, you know, the Revenge lineup, uh, I liked Revenge to some extent in the Live 3, and I felt like they were a current band, and then suddenly they decided to um, to become a nostalgia act. Uh, but I still had to go and see them, because, you know, uh, before the uh, reunion tour, they were, the last time they were in Sweden was in 88, and then I was just a little kid, so I, I didn't have the opportunity to see that show. And I don't think I missed out on a lot back in '88, but they they brought a uh, not a stellar set to Sweden. But uh, in '90, well, the reunion era, I, I remember seeing them two times in a row at Stockholm Stadium, 35,000 each night. People were rabid; they were crazy, uh, and these were some of my first concert experiences. So. Um, I thought, wow, this is really something. Uh, 35,000 people, uh, people are going nuts. Uh, and uh, they're really into the show. So, uh, but I've, I've really never been to a show after that that, what, that reached the same sort of, you know, uh, what's the name in English? Uh, you know that height of of, of uh, people were crazy and kids were all around the town. People dressed up in makeup and hysteria. I would say, yeah, some sort of yep. kiss hysteria. Yeah, so um, uh, it was really an amazing experience. Even though Peter Chris couldn't drum at all, uh, Ace really kind of missed out on some solos. Uh, but uh, but the whole experience was so so great. So. Uh, and I, actually, I've I've never been to a concert after that that has topped, you know, the experience. They didn't play really great, but the experience. I've never been to a concert when I, I've topped that feeling. So it was great. But I remember after the show, we we walked around there and and we we sang with people and we were all were. Everybody was so joyful. And then we asked people, well, do you know Parasite? Let's sing Parasite. And people just looked at me. Parasite? What's that? 
they didn't know the songs. They were over there for the experience. So so people dressed up in makeup and suits and looked like the dress to kill cover, but they didn't know a song. So I guess uh, that was a big part of their uh, success of the reunion tour, that people that didn't even know about Kiss, they went to the shows and, and saw them. Uh, but that was my first Kiss experience live. So we're going to move a little bit further back than the reunion for the next one, Cadden. Oh, you skipped me, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm skipping, yeah we're skipping back, way back in time. We're going way back. Yeah. Um, well, I guess my first chance would have been uh, 77, but I, I I didn't even know, you know, at the time. I probably didn't know who Kiss was. It was around that time probably I was introduced. So uh, my first chance was 1979. In San Francisco at the Cow Palace, and uh, I've said this before. I was I was so excited about this show that I was I was literally sick to my stomach. I mean, I was sick to it. I didn't I, I didn't actually you know you know throw up or whatever, but uh, I, you know I you had that sick feeling. I was so excited. It was just over excited about finally seeing them, um, and uh, so yeah see them you know at the beginning where you know you wanted the best you hot you got the best and then the 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 riser you know they rose up from underneath in their like statuesque uh forms in their colored capes and so on uh in the fog going and uh yeah that was just you know mind-blowing i was just so you know, over you know, overwhelmed by the whole thing. It was it was just fantastic, and and even you know, uh, Mark. I've told the story about the sponges that I picked the sponges. I sent Mark one. There he is. Nice. He has one. He has. That's one of the ones that I actually uh, had, and I, I I sent it over to Mark as with an album. But uh, yeah, um, that was uh, quite an experience that I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, I remember the people lined up all the way around the building waiting to get in at this show so but uh, it was it's a special special uh, you know thing for me yeah so my history is more a, more a tale of lament and sorrow of all the opportunities missed <laughs> because obviously I didn't get to see them until Psycho Circus uh, I flew down to the LA show so at least you know I saw them with a 30 plus thousand crowd and the only time they did the circus so I think the cool thing with my 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 live history with them is that I've seen them in front of thirty two thousand, and I've seen them in, th- in front of a thousand in a in a you know a casino. The uh, I can't remember even what year it was uh, the or the the Choctaw casino shows. So both ends of the spectrum. Obviously, you've seen them in clubs as well. So yeah. you know, small audience, big audience. Kiss audience for that and and Psycho Circus I think it's a little bit like Daniel for me that that was crazy I mean that was a event and it was kind of epic being LA and the first show down there that I was more I don't have any specific memories from the show other than watching the 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 circus act part of it and thinking how lame it was and how the hell they how the hell they how are they going to take that on the road and then the other thing of course for me was being so far away from the stage saying i can't tell who's who it's so far away so you know that that was mine but i missed so many freaking shows binghamton 84 i mean come on 
that a Mark St. John show. If only, you know, if only, but, you know, that's life. Donington, 88, if only. You know, living in Canterbury in England in, uh, what, 96, I, you know, drank all my money. Couldn't go to Wembley. So, you know, that that, that is life. Car broke down for Finsbury. Shit. You know, just pain after pain. You know, coming back to America in 92, you know, they were up in Binghamton in 92, and that is a freaking stunning recording that circulates. Yeah. You know, but having just gotten off a plane from Singapore, I wasn't set up. I didn't drive at the time. I didn't know anyone. And getting from Scranton, where I was, to Binghamton, just an impossibility. So mine's more about the shows I've missed than the ones I actually got to, so... Uh, let's let's move away from that miserable topic for <laughs> before I get depressed. Okay, here here was a good one, and uh, the first kiss friend you had. Now that, that's mm. that's kind of like <clears throat> two village lunatics finding themselves in the same village. You know, usually there's only one. So, Ken, did you have a first kiss buddy or you know someone else who uh, kind of shared a passion for the band? That, yeah, uh, well. Yes. Um, well, the the guy that originally showed me, he was into Kiss, but he was into other stuff too. Um, so my real first friend is actually a, I would call him a recruit. <laughs> I recruited him. <laughs> um, he was he was a good friend, and he was into at the time he was into Sticks. Okay, and I was like, no, 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 no. You know, you don't want that. You don't want that stuff. You listen to this. This is this is the real stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I played him the, all the best Kiss albums and Kiss music that I, I, you know, I loved at the time. This is probably 19. It must have been. This was 1980. You know, probably around there, 79, 79, 80. And uh, and uh, he he you know he liked it. He thought it was great. And he kind of like got rid of his stick stuff. And uh, he started listening to and. And since then, you know, uh, he was with, you know, with me along for the ride. You know, he was my good kiss buddy. And, and we went to all the, you know, those concerts together, uh, starting probably with, uh, a cre- he was with me at the three creature shows. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So he, that's, you know, he's, he was in, into it. He, he got very much into it. Um, I think his favorite was like, uh, Ace, Fra- Ace Fraley was his favorite where mine was Gene Simmons, you know, that kind of thing. But, uh, uh, yeah, he was he was the guy. We went to all those concerts through the eighties and so on, um, and uh, yeah, that's the is one it, kiss by is other it still than a you fan? guys. Now <laughs> that was it, you know, for me. Is he still yeah. a fan? Is he still a fan? Yeah, he's still a fan. Uh, okay. He's he, he's moved away into another state, but uh, I know he's still a fan based on you know Facebook and stuff like that. But yeah. Cool. Daniel, what about you? What about the guy with the uh, with the boombox who uh, brought Animal Eyes? Yeah, that was actually one guy, but he never he, he never became a fan. But one of the other guys in the same tent, he was two years younger than me, he started to like them. And actually, that guy went on to bigger and better things. He became actually an Olympic champion later on when he moved away from KISS. His name is Bjorn Ferry. He was an athlete in the Winter Olympics. And uh, but uh, when when we started out uh, back in the day, he loved the Kiss stuff, and we started off with Animal Eyes and Asylum, and then worked our way back. 
And then we started playing instruments. We started playing drums and uh, guitars. And then he had a brother then that started to play with us. So we, we kind of rotated. One played the bass, one played the guitar, and the other one played the drums. And then we rotated. So after a year or two, we knew like, you know, 20 Kiss songs. And we could rotate and play those. So that was kind of our routine. We, we got together and he had some really nice parents. They let us play all night long. Uh, I don't know how they could bear with us, but we played loud and we played for a long time and we learned like we played a set like pretty similar to the uh, Revenge set, you know, those kind of songs. Uh, some old stuff and some newer stuff. And we played the shit out of that for a lot of years. And that guy was my um, kiss friend back in the day. But uh, then he started to get into, uh, you know, um, what's the name of the sport when they um, uh, biathlon? He started to get get mm. into biathlon, and uh, he, then he kind of forgot about the music. But uh, when we get in touch now, he still uh, he likes heavens of fire and tears are falling and, and some of that. <laughs> mid-80s stuff a lot and he know how to play them on, on, on guitar so that was my first friend um, unfortunately he, 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 he kind of left Kiss for an Olympic medal I don't get it I, I don't get how he could do <laughs> that choice but, uh, that was, left Kiss I, I, for I, skis and guns yeah crazy guy but <laughs> I stuck to my Kiss nice Mark how about you well um when I first met the guy who ended up being my biggest Kiss friend, uh, I was in a band. We were looking for a second guitar player, and he auditioned. And uh, after we started, you know, thinking this could be the guy, he invited me over to his house to maybe start working on some song ideas to see how he would fit in. And um, I noticed that his whole house was a complete shrine to Kiss. He had like every imaginable poster was like, you know, plaqued. You know, it wasn't just pinned up. He had everything plaqued and framed, and the whole house was nothing but kissed up black and white pictures of old stuff, like a picture of Ace playing an explorer, and like you name it, anything that 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 Kiss had, this guy had in his house. I mean, it got to the point where he got me so into Kiss, like like back into it so much that you know we would start getting all these guitar magazines and we would start noticing, hey, you know, Paul Stanley, he's using a Marshall, you know, 900 series amp head. So we would go over to the local music store, we would go and try them and we would buy them each, you know, and we'd try to tweak our settings to sound to see if we can get like a Kiss sound from like, you know, Revenge or something like that. And then we started incorporating Kiss songs into our live set whenever we would play as a band. We would do, I remember we used to always do Strutter and She in our set, which used to go over really well. But uh, he he really was into Kiss, and he he got me just as heavily into it. We used to go to the Kiss conventions together. We got all those bootleg shows on VHS tapes together. We we made sure that you know this time when you go, you make sure you get Winterland and you get the you know the Kobo Hall shows. I'll get the ones from you know Australia and this and that, so that we would have everything, and we would not the you know we would just tape it off each other, so we didn't have to buy the same things, right? And uh, it it just got crazy. Like I mean, when we started, you know, Kiss in, in, in influenced everything that we did. When we started recording demos for our own band, you know, we would you know try to you know get our amps and stuff set up. We bought we bought Les Pauls and you know I got an Ice Man. You know, it it's just it it with him there, 
we just kind of explored it to like the ninth degree almost you know we were we it, it kind of got a little bit into our songwriting the kiss influence a bit right and stuff like that but it it was just it was just great he he just made he made liking kiss that much more exciting because it incorporated something that we liked doing besides listening to music we liked playing we were in a band we took it seriously we were making our own music and you know loving a band like kiss where there were so many other things to explore and stuff like that it made it that much more cooler right and we really really enjoyed it i mean his name is ted and i think he still plays now and uh yeah he 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 really got me into it i mean like i said i mean it, it even got to the point where like i said we were going out and buying you know gear that we were reading off of like magazines you know like you know whenever paul stanley would list something or if ace would say something or if Bruce Kulick would say, you know, I got this rack unit, like a, a Digitech unit. I would go out to Long and McQuaid, the music store here, and I would go and check it out and then go buy it, you know, just because it was so awesome. You know, hey, I remember that that, that delay setting there. It sounds like revenge, like unholy, like his guitar solo bit there. So, you know, it just got to that point where it just, it absorbed every minute of my life at one point. Well, I'm I'm glad the three of you had stories because I didn't have any friends who liked Kiss <laughs> at all. My 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 friends growing up were into Zeppelin, Aerosmith, Cinderella when they came out in '86, and kind of the blues rock, you know that that kind of stuff. So I was the one freak who listened to Kiss. In in fact, in Binghamton and Vestal, I only remember there being one other Kiss maniac, and I may be mis misremembering. You know, there's this guy at high school called Tom, and I would go to secondhand record stores and always hear about some cool Kiss record that had been there the week before that Tom had come in and bought, and I'd describe this guy. So that was the only other guy in Binghamton, or, you know, the, the tri-state area that I knew of that was into Kiss. But all my friends, they were just, you know, Motley Crue, Zap, and all that. So, you know, they had, they had I think, grown out of Kiss by that point because we were all, what, 14 years old, and they had done Kiss when they were seven like so many when so many others had you know so with kiss being out of makeup by that time nothing so it kind of moves nicely into the next one and that's how has kiss influenced you you know and mark's gone into quite a lot of detail just now and that was a really great segment mark about you know being inspired by hearing about the gear you know but uh you know did did Kiss make anyone pick up an instrument? They change your clothing style, you know, making friends, getting a job. You know, did they influence you in any way? And Mark, did you Ebo? Uh, actually, you know what the funny thing is that you say that because I actually have an Ebo. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. I, that is awesome. Because I remember, like, for a while there, when I started getting into you know the whole Kiss thing. I was I, when I read about that on the Paul Stanley solo record where it mentioned there that he had an, that he used an Ebo. I'm like, what the hell is an Ebo? And I went to go check it out, and then I actually bought one, which is just basically this piece of gear here. It's well, what you do is you at the bottom here, there's a little piece here, and you place that up against the string, and it resonates. It makes like this vibration, almost like a bow would do when you put a bow across mm -hmm. a string. And you put it there and hold it, and it would just play the string, right? 
and it has two settings or like a little notch here in the back right when you turn it on see there's a light there and when on one way it'll give you a tone like a like a one octave and if you flip it the other way it'll put it up a pitch higher like another octave higher so you can get these really incredible kind of you know high-pitched sustained notes that you would never be able to do if you didn't have something like this you, you would have to put your amp on like 11 and stand in front of it to get something similar to that sound you know and this saved you your hearing especially if you wanted to get that kind of a sound right so and I mean, surprisingly, these became popular again not too long ago here, at least in Canada. And I mean, it, it, this kind of says it all, like the no pick. You don't need a pick to use this thing, right? So, and it's it's fantastic. I love it. I use it sometimes now for my songs whenever I want to do something where there's like a really long sustained section of notes. You put, you put a lot of reverb on it and stuff, and it sounds really, really cool. You can make like your own kind of mini string section with it. And it's just... It's just awesome. I mean, I, I love using it. That's one of my favorite parts of the uh, the Gap book we put out last year, is the interview with Bob Kulik, where he said, one did not interfere with Paul Ebowing. You know, it's just, you know, that part of, of history and his use of that, I love that. So that is awesome. Daniel, how about you on that? You know, how has Kiss influenced you? Well, I don't know if you can see this, but uh, this is me at work. Uh, uh, let me see if I can do this. Can you see that picture? Nope. Nope. Oh, let's no. see now. Now then. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yep. And I have no idea <laughs> yeah. how that's going to look on the show, but that is oh. that is really cool. That's a cool picture, actually. Yeah, that's a picture of me at that's work, not, actually. That's kind of rocky. That's <laughs> kind of yeah. rocky horror picture that's, show, kind of. Yeah, that's a picture of me at work, hard at work. You know, I work as a teacher. Uh, I teach, what do you say, upper upper secondary school, second up and there school. You know, kids mm -hmm. from 16, 17, 18. Yeah, secondary and school. Secondary school, yeah. And then uh, we, uh, once a year, we make a performance. Uh, we play for the kids. And uh, as you can see, I have some um, things to do with how we approach this uh uh, show so I I do the makeup for everyone and it's kind of kissish if you mm -hmm. uh, and we play we play a few kiss songs uh, and we change the lyrics to uh, you know uh, it so the lyrics uh, that they're, they're about uh, what happens at school and the the students and the tea you know we kind of yeah change them up so it reflects our situation and it really goes over well and uh, this is me on lead guitar uh, wearing a silver tie and uh, i couldn't do you know like a paul stanley star so it's kind of similar but it would be too obvious if i did the kiss makeup but it but i think it shows and uh half of the kids they actually know what kiss is to this this day so they ah you you're into kiss aren't you yeah yeah, I sure am. <laughs> and so this is, to this day, I can still use it at school. And, you know, we can do a few uh, exercises with the kids where you can play Kiss music and they can write new lyrics and, and that kind of stuff. So Kiss is um, pretty potent in my, uh, you know, professional life as well. And I really enjoy uh, 
doing that kind of stuff for the kids. You know, still have that guitar? That's, that's totally awesome. Yeah, I, I still have them. <laughs> yeah. I, I gotta uh, say, it, I, it, it, lo- it looks like a Gibson, but I think it's uh, you know that cheap. What, what's the cheaper? I have Epiphone? I've had that guitar since I was. Yeah, exactly, Epiphone. Epiphone. I've had it since I was 15, and I bought it simply because I wanted to play Kiss music, and to this day I play Kiss music on it. So, um, Kiss influence. That, you know, the funny yeah. thing though is that uh, Epiphones are not really nowadays are not really considered that much of a cheap brand i mean a lot of people end up playing epiphones now they're they're pretty much like almost if you look at chrysler and dodge they're like one of the like they're like offshoots of the same thing almost considered now i'm sure gibson is still considered the higher standard but epiphones are still pretty good guitars so i would i would keep it if i were you okay back in the day it was the cheapest one so so that's why i got (laughs) ken how about you on that one? Well, you know, just basically, you know, don't listen to others. Um, you know, do what you want to do. You know, you just got to, you know, go your own path. Um, that kind of message and, and uh, you know, just do the best you can type type of thing. The other thing was used to be back when I was young is when Gene Simmons was, you know, you know don't don't do drugs and don't drink and smoke. Well, the, the drinking part didn't actually work. Out <laughs> <laughs> oh, drink. I had a drinking mode back when I was younger, but, um, uh, but for the most part, yeah, it's, it's about, uh, you know, don't let the others tell you how you should do or conduct yourself or, you know, you go for what you want to go for and, and go for your dreams and, just do what you want. The other thing is, I guess they influenced me is to buy more Kiss stuff. That's the big <laughs> thing. I, <laughs> I'm like, uh, bought way too much, but uh, that's the way it goes. But it's a it's a hobby now. So yeah, I'm I'm trying to figure out if they've influenced me in any way. And um, you know, <laughs> life's like a radio. Turn it up to ten. Uh, whatever. Yeah. No, no, I don't think they've well, influenced me in any way whatsoever. I mean. Some people might say, "No, wait, yeah, they have. You've repackaged your books fifteen times." Um, <laughs> that, right. that's, that, that's the only thing I can think of. So. They Mark. never inspired you in, in, in terms of like writing. Like, I mean, they weren't an inspiration for writing books or nothing like that. No. Well, obviously, I I wrote the books and or I wrote the stuff because some people mm-hmm. get upset if I call them books. Um, you know, <laughs> obviously, they inspired me to do that, but in my life have they inspired me in any way um not not particularly to to me they've always simply been the soundtrack to the my life you know uh, kind of the partner that walks along with me th- from you know 14 years on 14 years old to how old i am now you know they're a constant in my life where people have come into my life and gone with being in different countries and in different hemispheres you know, and living all over the world, the one constant throughout my life has been Kiss. So they haven't needed to influence me in any way. I mean, there was one phase where I went through the Paul Stanley Crazy Nights kind of dress sense, and I'm, and I'm not and I'm not talking about blue thongs. So don't go there. Um, <laughs> you know, you can you can all you can all breathe breathe a sigh of relief as well. You know, and it was just it was just the, it was the that image. I don't know. Yeah, that image is too much. Everyone's everyone's Burn sticking ice picks in their eyes now. Um, 
you know, it, it, it was the jean jacket with the, the patches, yeah. and I went absolutely nuts, nuts, and had you know the you know the big patch on the back and all these other patches and pins, and I mean this jean jacket weighed about 15 pounds with all the the rock and heavy metal shit that was on it, and you know I had a fantastic. I saw one up on eBay the other day, actually. It was an Asylum patch, blue background, red Asylum logo. I, I nearly bought it because it was one of my favorite patches, but you know, then I had Motorhead and Public Image and all that shit on as well. That's the only way I guess they've ever influenced me or inspired me, but, uh, you know, let's get on to the, Let's get that blue thong out of the, the brain and move on to the, <laughs> the next one. Um, when was your height of Kisteria? You know, how did it affect you... Did it did it cause you to make enemies? Were you watching too many Kiss videos? Were you you know was it affecting work, school, relationships, or whatever? Daniel, let's go straight to you on that. Has Kiss ever been a virus in your life? Yes, yes, it has. Uh, at some time, at some point, it was kind of an addiction. You know, you couldn't keep your eye when you went home from school. You wanted to see some Kiss video. So you put on a concert and you watch two and you watch three concerts. Uh, when it was Sunday, they had uh, here in Sweden uh, the European version of Headbangers Balls. Headbangers Ball, not Headbangers Balls. Headbanger Balls. <laughs> <laughs> Head sounds like a porno movie. Uh, tack, yeah, uh, Headbangers Ball. Yeah, that's the one. And it ended at 2 a.m. and I watched it like it was religion. And, uh, you know, Mondays at school I wasn't the, <clears throat> the best so it, it it and it was kind of hard you know you couldn't like you stay away from it you came home am i going to go to a friend or am i going to put on asylum or revenge or whatever was the the, the, the cd you liked at, at at the time and ah i'm just going to listen to a few songs and then you sat there and listened to the whole album studied the lyrics and you know since i since english wasn't my f first language i had to try to find out what the songs were about so I, I learned a lot of english from uh, you know studying kiss lyrics so i wanted to know what it was about uh, and so it influenced me a lot i, I listened too much and uh, spent too much time on bad bootleg videos from cardiff 1992 i mean there was no one else in my town that watched those videos so i was kind of a freak and, I, and it, was, it 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 became like such an addiction that i didn't tell people that what did you do last night i didn't say that that i watched like three kiss videos in a row and uh, it was amazing so because this was somewhere around you maybe 92 93 and by then kiss was all but dead over here i don't know how it was over there so it wasn't cool to to like his but um so uh, it was kind of an addiction i, I would uh, ex that's what it was like for me so it took some time to get off that addiction and the best thing that happened for me was the reunion because then i got completely off that addiction you know <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> <laughs> what they played live did sound great and you know i liked it was great because everyone else seemed to like kiss all of a sudden everyone else seems to say like oh it's like the second you know third moon landing kiss is back and yeah but have you listened to them i said ah it's um, you know there's a lot of bombs and explosions it's great yeah but listen to the drums on 
you know, like Japan 95 and Stockholm 96. There's quite a difference. Ah, it doesn't matter. It's kiss and makeup. It's great. So um, actually, after a few years, uh, I guess by the time of the farewell tour, I'd had it. Uh, I was so disappointed in the, in the band, so I kind of checked out and tried to listen to other kind of music. Uh, but when they started becoming a band again and, and, and making records, uh, I, I kind of came back. And, and But now, nowadays, they are started to become that same th- sort of thing. They don't release records and uh, they play the same stuff over and over. So if they don't release a record soon, I don't know what I'll do. You'll go crazy. <laughs> crazy. I don't listen to Sinatra. That's what I did back in '95. 96, 97 there. I started listening to Sinatra and Sarah Brightman. I don't know whatever what happened to me. Wow. <laughs> tried to be so, uh, tried to become someone else. But um I got around I got back after some time so. So I guess for myself on that one is the height of Kisteria. I guess for me 96, 97. I was at the University of Kent at Canterbury, and instead of going to class, I was either drinking, playing snooker, <laughs> or trading kiss cassettes. I used to drive the people at the post room absolutely nuts with the amount of packages that were coming in, primarily from Sweden, Germany, and the U.S. There would be packages every single day, kiss cassettes just coming in, and I'd be spending all my time, instead of going to lectures, dubbing tapes as part of the trading. And at that time, I was also kind of really building out the FAQ, so I was listening to all of these tapes and you know transcribing the set lists and spending my time online for what it was back at that time you know building up the website so it really became an addiction and i was asked to leave the university um, (laughs) since i wasn't really participating in the learning experience um which bored me to death anyway it was computer science and i was not interested in vector graphics in the slightest or databases if i knew then what i know now um, I would have paid a little bit more attention, but mm-hmm. I was just so into the tape trading at that point that that is all I did. I just taped and taped and taped and traded and compared and taped and compared, and it just became absolutely nuts. I mean, it's probably a period that goes through about 2001. After I moved back to America, all I did, because I didn't have any family, I didn't have any responsibilities, I got a job after a couple of weeks in San Francisco, and I had a paycheck coming in every week, and it was just eBay, 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 buying, <laughs> buying, buying, I mean, 500 kiss, different Kiss singles, buying all this Kiss shit, basically, that I just didn't need, and kept kept going with the trading. So, yeah, there was a period in my time that it all became a bit nuts and excessive, and um, most of that stuff's gone. So, Mark, how about you? Well, the the interesting thing is that I would say that my period will still be around the same as you guys, 96, 97, up to about 99 or so. Um, But for me, it wasn't so much about collecting records and collecting things like that. What I ended up finding was that the music itself and that started creeping a lot into my writing, I found. And it, I started realizing when I was listening to the stuff that we were doing then that my songwriting was veering towards that 
style of music a lot, which is not nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you're in a band, an original band, and you're trying to make your way into the scene, you want to bring something more of your own into it and something not so obvious, right? Which, you know, you can pick out a Kiss kind of song anywhere, I think, because it's pretty pretty easy to pick out stylistically. And uh, I just found that because of my love of Kiss and how much I was into it, it was just so melded into my playing at that point and stuff like that, that I really had to sit down for a minute, think about this and realize that I had to take a step back a bit from Kiss stuff and start reintroducing other bands back into my listening experience. So I started bringing back in stuff like, uh, you know, Yes and King Crimson and my Rush stuff. Cause I always was listening to Rush at that point, but just more of it in there. And I started approaching my love of, you know, figuring out gear and stuff like that with those bands as well as Kiss. So I kind of found that while Kiss has never left me as stylist, like influence wise in my music, it's now has a good balance in with the rest of the other music that I like. So now when I write music, I don't feel that it's such a, you know, standout thing in my writing now. I feel that it's a part of it and never just so much of it, you know, like I don't, I, you know, like some people write love ACDC when they write a song, it sounds like ACDC, you know. So I think that was the main thing that I kind of got caught up with as far as that went. And, you know, like I said, I still love Kiss. They'll never not be in my life. But I really had to start reintroducing back other music into my life at that point so that I would become a more balanced musician, at least from that point. What kind of lyrics did you wrote? Did you write? Did you write like you put a log in the fireplace or No, no. <laughs> no, no, nothing like that. Actually, for the longest time I never really wrote lyrics our drummer and that that that's where the Russian influence was. Our drummer was our main lyricist. He wrote everything. But he was brought into like the whole Neil Peart thing, you know, and Rand books and you know that kind of stuff. So that there had, you know, it was always those kind of, you know, questioning life kind of lyrics and but never so obvious it was always those ones we had to kind of re- read it a couple times ago what the hell is he trying to say here kind of lyrics which i kind of liked i didn't you know i liked having a little bit of you know thought process into things like that that's very cool that's that's again a, another great segment mark so thank you ken how about you on that well i'd probably say <laughs> it's been waves um you know, 70, probably around 79, I was buying everything I could get my hands on, I think, you know, you know, the trash can, the you know, I had the lunchbox and everything else and posters, anything and uh, any magazine that had their face on it. Um, so I was just kind of getting anything and everything back then. And uh, even, you know, it's never really waned so much. Um, I guess it, you know, through the 80s, mid 80s kind of you know slowed down a little bit for me um i think when revenge came out and then around that same time there was a lot of bootleg videos coming out and i was picking up a lot of vhs bootlegs and watching the old stuff i'm like man i never seen this before and it was it was pretty cool i was like wow that's awesome stuff and then it, then it kind of reached another height again in the 96 the reunion and uh and you know, it was like all over again, you know, 
back when it was 79 for me, uh, or 78, 79, that period, it was kind of, here we go again. Uh, it's another wave. It's like the same thing happened again, and all this merchandise was coming out. A lot of ma- all these magazines were, were out, and, and uh, it was another, I was just totally into it. And then the computer, um, I was on the net at that time when the, it was first around, and I was looking at the sites like, all the time, you know, the Kiss Asylum and the Kiss Otaku um, sites. I was on there. I was checking it. I think I won something off of Kiss Otaku one time. There was some kind of contest. I think I won. I can't really remember. I won something, but uh, something free. Um, and so that was, you know, the other height. And then it's just kind of been steady um, up until now. You know, I just, I never jumped off, you know, I never jumped off the, the kiss ship you know i was always on it riding it the whole way and um the way where i maybe don't buy everything i see now um you know i i more particular in what i may uh, purchase from them but i always get the music for sure nice. i had to work to get off the kiss ship you know I, had to, <laughs> I, I felt this is an addiction i have to do something about it i can't keep on doing this <laughs> watching these bootleg videos and listen to this music or oh, I have to do something about it so I had really to uh, I had to work with it and I got off the kiss uh, addiction at least for a few years there but but, but uh, then I got back on back on it. <laughs> yeah you're not getting off this carousel no no just when you think you're out they drag you back in so yeah. what do other people think I, I got to step away for one second here so I'm gonna throw this one out there for you guys to discuss just while I step out um what do other people think about your interest in KISS? Um, positive? Negative? Do they just like pat you on the head and it's okay, nobody's perfect? Um, Daniel, what do people think about you and KISS? And I'll be back in a moment. Nobody's perfect. Yeah, uh, well, actually, um, people do still to this day call me when uh, or get in touch with me when there's some sort of kiss news or some kiss happening in the media. Oh, have you seen this? So they still regard me as the big kiss fan and the biz, big kiss, you know, know it all. And he always want to know everything about kiss. So to this day, I can have guys that I haven't been in touch with for a few years. They, they, they call me, ah, oh, kiss is on television. Have you seen it? So uh, I I don't know. It's kind of they like it. They they at times I feel like they view me as some sort of freak, but <laughs> not really in a bad manner. They kind of appreciate that you can have this kind of you know interest in something that is you know not the hippest thing to to like. So uh, I do feel you get some sort of you know appreciation because you know it and if they wonder about something they uh they also get in touch and uh, and they know i i have the answers so uh i think it's kind of you know you know that if you know a nerd it's kind of cool at times if if you want to <laughs> if you want to know what kind of bird you see you go to the ornithologist and you ask him what kind of bird is that mm-hmm. and yeah. he can answer you so that that kind of uh, you know it works like that but I don't go I, I, when I'm in, like a teacher. I, I don't, you know, say that I'm this big Kiss fan. Right, that I, right. I, I kind of keep it, you know, to myself at times. And yeah. 
but, but um, you know, as a freak, you're always interesting uh, at at some point or at s- sometimes <laughs> when I want to know something or or also. So, uh, I'm glad being a freak. I'm a freak. Wasn't that a song on one of the later al- albums? Well, for Monster, yeah, Monster. Yeah. Monster. Yeah. pretty good song. Mark, how about you? Well, um, I think my family kind of, at one point, just kind of accepted my whole love of Kiss. I mean, it just kind of got to the point anyways where they realized that I was just so much into music that this is going to be just part of my life in general. Like, you know, once I graduated from high school and stuff, you know, I started doing my, you know, my co-oping for recording studio stuff and production and stuff like that. And I was into the band and you know, started playing in bands and started doing tours. So they knew that this was something serious. It wasn't just some, you know, fly-by-night thing that'll pass with time with me. But, you know, as far as the KISS thing goes, um, like I said before, at that that time period, I was so into it. Um, I think my family, for the most part, kind of just accepted my love of KISS. But where I kind of noticed that maybe some people were having comments about it was if I was to bring, let's say, people that I weren't involved musically with, in my car somewhere, they would go into my car, into my you know glove box or my discs, or and they'd always say, "Do you have anything else besides Kiss to listen to?" Because it would just be nothing but Kiss CDs inside there, and I would kind of like think about it for a while and go, "You know what? I really don't. I mean, I do have other stuff at home, but I would never bring it." I realized after a while that maybe I should you know bring maybe the odd Rush CD or the odd yes CD or something different just to mix it up a little bit, right? But it, I don't think that it was ever frowned upon by my friends and stuff like that. They just realized that, that you know, I loved the band, I loved music, they knew how much I was into it and stuff like that. So I don't think it was ever a, a negative thing. But if, if there was ever any negative comment made, it was just that. Like if we, if we were on like a car, long car drive for two hours they'd pray to God that I would bring something else besides just my whole entire Kiss collection. You know? But weren't they giving you a hard time, you know, when the Guns N' Roses and Metallicas came along and Kiss were so... Because I remember the, at my school, people listened to either Metallica or Guns N' Roses. You couldn't listen to both. You had to pick sides, you know. Yeah. But Kiss Kiss were never in, in, in the deck, so to speak. But... Uh, but I ha- I remember I could show them the unholy video, and then they shut up. They said like, "Oh, <laughs> is, is that really Kiss? Well, k- kind of good." Even though Julian doesn't like that video or song, but hey, no, 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 <laughs> no one's perfect. I'm glad I'm nope. glad at your school it was uh, Guns N' Roses or Metallica. Mine yeah. was Guns N' Roses or In Excess. It was what? yeah, crazy yeah. people. Bum, bum, no, <laughs> no, that was too new. It was. Oh, okay. Listen like thieves. I still, oh, okay. I still love that stuff. So, um, Ken, how about you? Yeah, well, for me, uh, you know, starting off like uh, Mark, Mark. Um, I mean, my parents. My mom was so cool. She let me, you know, cover my whole room with everything. I mean, she didn't say one bad thing about it. I, I have her come into my out. You know. Uh, my room and say, hey, listen to this Kiss song, you know. This is like a, when the solo albums came out, I was playing her Living in Sin, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. She didn't <laughs> care. She was all right with it, you know. Um, 
which was cool. Um, but beyond that, when people thought, you know, when I was in the kiss, uh, I never got any real negative things. And today, when people hear our kiss, it's more of a surprise. Um, they're like, you're into kiss. You know, I, I guess I don't. I don't know what a Kiss person, you know, fan is supposed to look like or whatever, but uh, they don't, you know, it's like a surprise to them, and and again, you know, my my sisters were all cool with it too, and they, you know, everyone was all good about it. Uh, I never had any, I can't remember any negativity um, thrown at me when they said I, you know, I listened to Kiss or. It may have happened, but maybe I I just forgot about it. I just ignore that kind of stuff. You know, it doesn't bother me. It just kind of rolls off my back. Um, so just most people say, you know, like even like Daniel said, you know, someone would come say, hey, hey Ken, you, you hear about that Kiss is going to have a concert? It's like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm way ahead of you here, you know, because I'm on top. I'm, I'm always on top of it. Um, but uh, yeah, if they want to talk about that kind of stuff, um, I have plenty to talk about. Yeah, I think what's kind of funny for me is people who, who've known I've been in a kiss, or they're just like, "Do you still listen to Kiss? Still? You still? <laughs> You're still doing that? You know?" But yeah. yet they're the ones who'll get me, you know, send me clippings from England, and you know, right. something arrives in the post. Hey, we thought of you. You know, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You know, neat. Um, but usually it's just that look they give you, like you're you're a little bit mentally deranged still, really, Julian, really. But you know, whatever. Yeah. Okay, so describe your current state of your interest in Kiss. Where are you at as a Kiss fan today, Daniel? Well, the interest has been kind of dipping lately because. Uh, um, I felt they had a resurgence there back in 2009 with Sonic Boom and uh, later Monster, but now it seems like, uh, you know, they aren't really a current band. They're more like looking back towards the past and uh, putting a lot of effort into the, well, while they are great, but the cruises and... Uh, you know, dwelling into old type of projects that they have done before, and there's really nothing new happening. So uh, the interest has is on the, you know, on the slide a, a bit. Uh, hopefully, they'll do something new because <clears throat> a band without the music, without current music, uh, becomes a nostalgia act pretty fast so uh, i'm just hoping that they will release more albums but uh you know i will never find another band that i will have this kind of interest in so i will still you know check the news and see what they are up to but uh it's hard to be that into the band when they aren't uh, you know putting any effort into improving themselves or releasing new stuff and uh, that kind of stuff so 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 I'm, I'm hoping that they will do another album can always mention it as well. New music, I think it's the most Im important thing when it comes to a band. If they don't release new music, uh, I'm not sure uh, how long they can keep this up. Uh, but but it seems like they are selling tickets still in the in the U.S. even though they haven't <coughs> really done anything for 
quite a few years now. So um, hopefully they put out new music and the, the interest will rise again. But uh, otherwise, I, I'm not sure where, where, where the interest will go. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you with a lot of that, that, you know, it all becomes a bit tedious. You know, it's the same. Things take so long with the band as well. You, we've heard about Kissology 4 or whatever it may be called for, you know, a decade nearly. It's Look how long it's taken them to do anything with Kiss Rocks Vegas and how slow we're creeping. They've done the in-cinema, they've done the pay-per-view, and, you know, it's still months away from physical product for people to be able to get their hands on. And that seems to be the only product that's coming this year for the touring cycle. The touring cycle isn't hitting anything near all the markets, you know, that I'm excluded from being able to, you know, as are the Europeans, obviously, who, you know, are, are German friends. They had some dates scheduled and they were all excited and then they were ripped yeah. away from them, you know. So it, it 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 gets old when we've been doing kind of the same thing over and over, just having these little pockets of activity like the Sonic Boom album or Monster where something new happens or the Kissologies. And, yeah, we're in the, you know, the sunset of their career, but... You know, as a fan, I feel I really feel now that it personally I'm wrapping things up with them. You know, I'm kind of putting projects and things that I've wanted to accomplish to sleep, and lining nothing up for the future. Uh, it, it's always going to be a matter of that I want to stay a part of the community, um, so that I know when a new bootleg from you know a, a show from 1974 surfaces, I want to you know still be. Um, aware of that kind of stuff happening or you know some new photographs surfacing you know but i don't care as much as i did and obviously it, my personal journey has been different than everyone else's in running a website for 20 years and doing all that bullshit that goes with it um in in the background you know right now i'm like i feel like a boxer you know at the end of his career you've been pummeled so many times you're just a little bit numb to stuff so like rock kiss rocks vegas i'm like oh okay you know it, it doesn't really get the emotional response out of me say like you know if paul were to say we're recording or i'm going into the studio right. and not with evan um so kind of numbed kind of knocked down kind of tired but still very much hopeful that you know one day we're hearing about new other new shows surfacing um you know, and and stuff that digs back into the history. I'm always going to be interested in that. So, Ken, what about you? Yeah, for me, the it's it's kind of a little waning. So I'm keeping myself interested by buying, you know, collecting, you know, vinyl and stuff like that. Um, and then the, the only the more exciting thing, even than well, Vegas, which is you know, what that's almost two years ago that mm -hmm. uh, that they did the Vegas deal and it took that long for them to put out, you know, the videos, uh, which is going to be this in August, I guess. Uh, so, you know, geez, what the heck, you know, they're, like you said, they're really slow, really slow. And, uh, so the most exciting things right now is like the books. I mean, like your book, um, your books that have been coming out last year, you know, the, the solo album books and the, and now the um, Odyssey, um, and then the other ones, like the Ross Radley, uh, mm -hmm. waiting to hear on that yeah. one, and the um, and the the vinyl 
book, you know, Tom Shannon's deal. Um, so I'm looking forward to those. Those are the most exciting thing to me. And they're, they're not Kiss products, mm-hmm. technically not official Kiss products. And um, like you said, they're touring, um, but they're not hitting California at all. Um, I'm still hoping that they somehow add a show um, Northern California by chance. I don't. It doesn't look good. Nope. It doesn't really doesn't look good. But I'm just kind of hoping. Um, and then, um, like Daniel was saying, the, the music. The music is really, to me, always been the most important thing. And uh, you got to have that that music and the, the new music. Um, you know, other bands are still doing it. Come on, you know, ACDC and and, and Deep Purple. You know, other bands are still doing it. Um, why why can't they record it? You know, it don't, it's only going to take them a couple. I don't know. They usually they usually you know whip it out, record it in about what a couple weeks or or a month. You know, it takes them to to do it. Um, Sheesh, they can't put a little effort in there and and give something to the fans. I don't, I don't know think. The, you know. I don't think they know the value of releasing new music mm-hmm. even if it doesn't sell if it, even if you does don't make a lot of money it still shows that you're a current band and that you're into it and that you're still yeah. uh, you know an act to count on uh, and you're not just living on your past so uh, even even though they don't sell a lot of records i still think it's vital for their popularity to release music it's vital and exactly it's a, it's a it's a to me it's a domino effect uh, they put out some new music they're able to promote new music and it kind of takes care of itself as in ticket sales some, somewhat and and selling other product too not yeah, just you know they're, they're being continuing to be creative rather than continuing to just yeah. do the same thing over again oh. and and it often comes down to like a matter of laziness i mean in the in the past week def leppard's put out a new video a proper video not a lyric video which i find to be the most inane lazy pieces of shit ever uh for man enough off their new album now there's some people who don't like that song but it doesn't matter it's new music it's them yeah. continuing to be creative, continuing to be a recording band rather than, than simply rehashing. And even when Def Leppard, for example, did their Vegas thing, they did <laughs> they did two yeah. you know, they they were doing two shows. They did their whole hysteria album and they did a whole B sides, you mm-hmm. know, show which had some really, really rare shit for, you know, the the mega deaf fan deaf fans to really get excited about. Kiss comes out and what did 15 songs yeah it's got some cool stuff in there tears of falling creatures of the night yeah it's exciting but you know def leppard gave you good morning freedom which the equivalent for kiss was <coughs> them doing acrobat so yeah instead, instead you get tears are falling so 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 being you know be an artist what you started out as be an artist you know uh put out some new music um you know write some songs um geez you know um, I don't know what the deal is. I really don't know. It, like you said, maybe it's just a money thing now. And it is. If they don't, if they do anything original or new now, they're they are becoming the nostalgia act. Definitely a nostalgia act that Daniel was talking about. Um, uh, I don't want a nostalgia act. I, I want I want a credible band that's trying to push the envelope and 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 do new things and new technologies and even. 
I would be excited if they did something like we've talked about before, putting out live video shows that they can download from their site or, or, or recorded music, you know, shows from, from their site, something out there that creates some kind of interest, more interest. Yep. Go into that audio archive, get some of that stuff up on iTunes, mm-hmm. you know, simply, simple as that, you know, if Metallica, Pearl Jam, so many other bands, you know, just be doing something and something instead of nothing. Mark, we, we haven't gone to you on this topic. So, you know, what are your thoughts? Well, basically for me, um, Kiss now are a band that I've gotten back into again. But there was a period between 2001 till about, geez, maybe about even 2011 or so, where they really weren't in my in my sphere of interest at that point, mainly because I was really getting hardcore into my own music, and I was really starting to play in a lot of... Uh, and I had a band that was really starting to do a lot of things. We started a tour and stuff like that. And then in around 2006, I, uh, I got asked to join a band that was pretty popular back in the 80s called Piledriver. And uh, they were reforming at that point, and he got asked to do a bunch of stuff. And uh, one of them was this festival here in Germany called Keep It True that happens. And uh, it was this. This was in this is the show that we actually played in. If you see there at the bottom, it says the Exalted Pile Driver there. And uh, we we there was the first appearance ever for for our band in Europe because he'd never played there throughout the whole 80s. And this is like, what basically ended up happening was that my sphere of interest turned into this whole scene of these bands. You know, that we were playing with a lot of thrash bands and stuff like that. And there was a big, like a big scene in this in Europe, especially Germany was huge on these kinds of bands, you know, like, uh, you know, geez, like this, this whole wave of, you know, kind of a new wave of British heavy metal kind of early thrash, which was what we were considered as well at that point, right? So at that point, you know, I was going to Germany, I was going to Greece, Italy, we were playing everywhere. And so my interest in Kiss at that point, it wasn't like it was gone, but it wasn't, I wasn't into it and sitting down and listening to stuff as much, nearly as much as I did back in my days before, right? Like during the 96 to 2001 period. Because things had really picked up for me musically, so I really focused on that end of it. And now, let's say from about 2013 or so, uh, I left that band because there were some health issues with the singer, and we had to kind of call it a day with him at that point. And then uh, I started working on my own stuff again. And right about the time when I was about to go back and getting things rolling, I broke my leg. Like badly, I broke my leg. Like it was a it was a femur break, and it was it was pretty bad. Like I, I think I have a picture of it here somewhere. I'm trying to remember where the hell I put it. But anyways, that yeah, here it is. the The break was pretty bad, and I had to get an operation and I had to get a pin Stomachless. put in. Yeah, it's I, I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can see that, but kind of yeah yeah yeah. But anyway, that's the, the uh, 
it's there's like a pin there. Oh, that's, yeah, oh, that's okay. right. Okay. Now I can see. All right, okay, we're, we're, I not, can we're, see we're not getting the blood and gore. Okay, good. Yeah, it's just it. like the you see the you see the bone in the plate with the screws there to, mm. to reconnect my leg, right? Wow. And I was out of commission for a long time, and during that time, when I was sitting in the hospital bed for like a few months, you know. Kiss started coming back into play again because I started, you know, listening to Three Sides and uh, Podkissed and stuff like that. And then I discovered, you know, the Kiss FAQ and I started going onto the board and doing stuff like that. And then, you know, it just all spiraled from there. And I started getting back into collecting vinyl again, as you know, Ken and Julian and Daniel. And, uh, you know, it it just re refired my love into Kiss. So Kiss is back into my sphere of stuff. And I'm kind of curious about the future because, like you guys said, me being a musician, if you're not making new stuff, to me it just seems wrong. It's like a painter who doesn't paint. You know what yeah. I mean? You you have to do it to keep yeah. your to keep your skill up, to keep your craft up. If you don't keep doing it, you 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 will lose some of that you know creativity, some of that skill because you're not keeping it in motion. You know what I mean? And I think that they still have it in them. I still think they can make a great record. Why not? I mean, mm-hmm. they just need some little bit of direction, maybe, you know, bring in somebody yeah. to help motivate them, and they can make another great record, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I really hope that they do it, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed because, you know, I want to be still, you know, into it and still collecting and finding new things to be motivated by, you know? And right now, I've got my records finally done, and I'm going to, in a few months, you know, hopefully put it out and you know, people will hopefully get into it and check it out. And, you know, who knows what'll happen from there? Because if I start getting back out into the scene again, I hope that that doesn't come away again like it did that time when I was playing around with the band before. I'd love to have Kiss still in my wheelhouse and my sphere of listening, right? So I'm curious to see what happens in the future. I'm, I'm still into Kiss. I want to be into Kiss. And I think they can keep people interested if they make something new. Well, what's the name of your your band, The Almighty? No, it's called Project Gemini. Okay. I think The Almighty's already taken as a band. Yeah, 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 it is. <laughs> what a joke. Yeah, he sings in Thin Lizzy now, I think, the singer from The Almighty. Is he? He's a sing- yeah, yeah, he's the so. singer of Thin Lizzy. Wow. Yeah. There's a there's a lot, Sacrilege. a lot of weird shit going on with bands these days and, and all <laughs> that. Is. All right, let's wrap up this episode with one last question because you've got one on here that's a perfect time to end this, and I think we can come back with a lot of the other ones that uh, you, you came up with, Daniel. But to end this one, and it, it's very suitable, is, and Mark's touched on it already, I guess, a little bit, is what will happen to your interest in, the, in KISS in the future when the band is dead and gone? When KISS is no more, and we're not... Um, you know, following Gene on Twitter and getting outraged, and Paul Stanley stopped tweeting, and it's gone. Kiss Online is just a storefront. Oh wait, um, you know, <laughs> what? Where will your interest be? Do you move on to something else, or, or what, Daniel? Let's go with you first on that. Well, <laughs> I can still look at some nice pictures of Paul Stanley. <laughs> no, uh. I'm not sure. It's kind of a strange thought, you know. They always been there from, you know, from when I've been like eight, nine years old. 
and they have been a constant and 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 i've always always listened to the new albums and and but when they're all, all when they're all dead and gone um, i i guess i will become very nostalgic and search even more for bootlegs and uh, being even more happy when i find something much like you know you're if you have a friend that's like 20 years older than you and uh, they still talk about bands that you think well why do you still listen to that kind of stuff they they haven't been or something yeah, you know, some old blues stuff, and they start recording uh, their own versions uh, using the current technology of their old favorites. I guess I will become one of those guys, starting re-recording, you know, Heavens on Fire, 2035, <laughs> new version, <laughs> you know. But, you know, I, I don't think I will ever lose interest completely, but... Uh, it it will be a sad day the the day that kiss ends for real when there will never ever be um another live performance or and you can always talk about that kiss 2.0 but to me that's at least at this point of time i don't see that working out really well but you'll never know i i, I said the same thing when they dressed up eric singer in cat makeup when they fired Ace freely, or he quit the the, the final time. I, I never thought they would come back, but they did. So sometimes I feel that uh, you think that Kiss make a bad decision, but somehow it works out for them. So the Kiss 2.0, at this point in time, I don't see, have any interest in that, but I'm not sure in the future when there isn't a Kiss 1.0. Uh, maybe you appreciate the 2.0, 2. so, so yeah, yeah, we'll it, see. But but, but it, there will never be another band that will capture my interest the way Kiss has done. So they will always be with me some way. Yeah, it's a hard thing to consider Kiss 2.0 yeah. when Kiss 1.0 is still around. Um, I don't know. For, for me, it's like almost a, a matter of will it be relief? Because it feels like we've been treading water <laughs> or or on life support in some ways for many years. Um, will it be relief because you know the the FAQ is kind of done at that point, or maybe is done, or or will it be oh shit, what now? Um, you know, again, like Daniel, there's no bands I follow to that level or interest because it's come from our youth into middle age. Um, you know, the the other bands that I was deeply into, Motley Crue, gone. You know, Def Leppard's still going, thank goodness. But, you know, they, they can't have that many years to go. Rush, gone, for all intents and purposes, uh, with the retirement of Neil. Um, Aerosmith about to do their farewell, and that's one that I couldn't give two fucks about as much as I loved Aerosmith. You know, that they've just, they've kind of done the opposite to Kiss and completely destroyed themselves over the last few years as a band so that you can't wait to see them go in some ways. You know, I'll just put on Done With Mirrors or Draw The Line or Rocks or the good fucking albums and, you know, and not give a damn that they're saying goodbye because I guess I've said goodbye to them already. So what do I do with Kiss? I don't know. You know, I, I just hope that they, when they, they're gone, that they're happy. And I'm not talking about them, you know, being 
deceased. I'm talking about them being done as kiss and being able to enjoy the fruits of their labors. And maybe Paul can do what he really wants and enjoy Gene. You know, I, I, I would just hope to not see Gene on CNN so much opening his mouth. You know, be retired, <laughs> you know, be dignified. Um, but, you know, I'll find something. Simple as that. I, I, I continue to dig into other bands' catalogs and start from the beginning with them. You know, I, I, I renewed my relationship with the Beatles. That That's always going to be, you know, maybe I'll find something on iTunes and listen to it and go, oh, I, I never checked them out back in the day and oh my god look they've got 15 albums you know that, that recently happened to me with blind guardian you know i suddenly discovered a, an yeah. album and i was like holy shit that's really cool and you know now gonna dig more into the band and check out some of their other stuff so musically i'm always gonna need something to fill that void and like we like we've already said you know i'm always gonna hopefully keep my ear to the ground and know if there's a new bootleg or a new demo that surfaced oh my god <laughs> Jeez. Ken, what about you on, on that? Um Yeah, well I'll always be a <clears throat> KISS fan and if they call it quits, you know, um my interest will still be there. Um I'm sure there's gonna be uh some kind of releases down the road, uh things that they put out if they're not around. Um and if they do KISS two point uh, I mean I'll give it a I'll give it a go. I'll give it a chance. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing it. I wouldn't mind seeing them, you know. I, I would like, if they did a 2.0, I'd rather have them, you know, writing the music and, and having it, you know, doing that kind of thing for us to kiss 2.0 uh, members, whoever they would be. Um, you know, it's interesting that, you know, maybe it can continue with 2.0 because there's a lot of young fans that are grew up and they only know the eric singer tommy thayer part you know kiss um with you know gene and paul and uh i can see a lot of young fans you know coming out for a new kiss um it's it's very possible um but uh you know I always i'm not gonna stop liking them or anything like that i'm just gonna I'll always be into looking for things new kiss things and it just it's just part of my life i guess it's just it's always going to be part of my life and and uh but yeah it'll be a sad day when gene and paul are no longer uh playing on stage and in their makeup yeah without a doubt mark did we cover you i've kind of lost track of where we were well we, we i kind of touched on it a little bit i just want to just end it by saying that i kind of thought about this for a little while too you know about what would happen if they left and it was all said and done i mean for me <laughs> i've kind of had this experience with with rush already because when when neil peard left the first time when his wife and kid died years back that was effectively the end of rush then surprisingly they did come back years later so but during that time period there was no reason to think they would be coming back so i had to kind of experience that once already and now with them technically retiring from live performance, they are saying that there's going to be more recorded material, so that's good. But, you know, to me, I've I've loved music my whole life. There's always going to be something that'll pique my interest, whether it's Kiss or another band. To me, what I'm just always kind of curious about is what does the future hold in general? Not only just Kiss, but in, you know, in other things, like other 
acts, whether it's rock or progressive rock. And I mean, I had a little small segment about this on this other podcast that I do sometimes called DS Music Podcast. And I discussed, you know, what's what's going to be happening in the future with some of these genres of music. I mean, like when the yeses are gone and King Crimson's are gone, all these older people are gone, who's going to pick up the flag and carry on for these bands? And I mean, luckily, there's bands still like Marillion who are like, 10 to 15 years younger than these bands so there's still time for them to continue but you know i i love kiss i want them to continue still i still think they have a little bit of gas left in the tank but when they're gone you know there's still a lot of stuff out there to listen to and to look at and to collect to keep you busy for a lifetime i'm sure but you know i just you know hope that down the line there'll be other acts that come up to continue and keep the scene strong and keep it going. And maybe there'll be another kiss. I mean, I know Daniel said that there'll never be a band that interests him as much as kiss will, but hopefully for an, for an eight year old or a nine year old, there'll be some worthy bands coming up in the future that will be their kiss in the future. Well, there's always Justin Bieber. (laughs) Keisha, Keisha. Yeah, or who, or who knows? You know, maybe some of these bands like Ghost, you know, that seem to have a kind of, uh, you know, Swedish band. Well, they got a kind of similar thing going to Kiss in the early days. Yeah. You know, they, they've got a mystique. You know, and they don't got the music yet. Uh, at least I don't think so. But uh, you know, they, no. they've they've got possibilities, is what I think. Promise, maybe. You know, so who knows? I mean, I at, at this point with Kiss, I just wish the makeup would come off. They take that out of the equation because putting on the makeup and the costumes and all that is just such a, a time suck now for them that I th- that I think they could better serve their energy by not going through the rigmarole of the makeup and just coming on stage in leather and comfortable. I don't care if Gene wants to wear those god awful jackets that he wears. You know, <laughs> if if that's what Gene. Yeah, I'm sorry. If Gene Simmons is comfortable in that, I'd rather he be comfortable in that yeah. than going through yeah. two hours getting ready or whatever it takes him now, 45 minutes, getting into the makeup, getting into the costume. I'd rather him just stroll on stage, be comfortable, and be able to play an extra five minutes or maybe feel a little bit better when he walks off stage because he isn't young. Simple as that. Sure. You know, same with same with Paul and you know Tommy. You know, take out, reclaim that forty-five minutes or whatever it is. You know, make things easier. But who knows? The thing with Kiss is it's always going to be interesting to the end. So, yeah. no doubt we're going to have. Oh uh, God, yeah, asylum. <laughs> yeah, some somehow I don't think they'd go back to that. You know. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. As much as we may like the album, Daniel, I don't think yeah. either of us ever want to see those costumes again. But no. uh, <laughs> all right, let's wrap that up, gentlemen. Thank you very much for joining me, Daniel. We're going to pick this this whole topic up again because there's still a whole bunch yeah. that we, we didn't cover, and I think we we can we can expand this down the road and uh, hopefully get the same crew in on it because. Uh, yeah, that was a fun one today. So we've covered some ground that we've talked about a little bit before. And, you know, with KISS, there's always going to be a certain amount of recycling. So we hope you've enjoyed this episode today. And we'd love to hear your take on all of these, you know, little mini topics that we've covered. Because everyone's got their own experience, their yeah. own outlook. So, you know, look us up on the FAQ. You know, hop in on one of the topics, you know. Go to YouTube, you know, leave us uh, your thoughts, your messages, and, of course, on Facebook. But we appreciate you listening to us, and thank you all for participating today. We will catch you the next episode.
Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again. Thank you.